Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today level up human the comedy science podcast souping up the homo sapien Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the podcast panel show about trying to improve the homo sapien. We know evolution has got lazy and we can do much, much better than this. So with the help of our panel here and the audience at the Edinburgh Science Festival here in Simmel Hall, and of course suggestions from Mother Nature herself, we're looking to put together a kind of special to-do list for evolution. I'm your host, Simon Watt, and today I'm joined by Gemma Flynn. You're going to be selecting what ideas go forward. Now, Gemma, you are a comedian and a criminologist. I am. You what, might be surprised. What does your that. day job actually involve? Mostly just hide from students, honestly. <laughs> but um, no, I, teach, I teach, about, teach students about crime at the University of Edinburgh and make like filthy jokes and try and get away with it in lectures and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, it's good to combine both your interests, yeah, actually, sure. isn't it? You're going to be selecting which of these ideas is going to take forward. What kind of idea are you looking for from the mm. panel? I just want to, for you to facilitate me just having a much lazier life. <laughs> so I just want to be chilled out to the max. Have you seen Wally? You know how we all end up if, in, in Wally, we go to space and <laughs> yeah. we all get massive, basically. Really? I love how you're counting this as an ambition. Are you sure? Yeah, sure. You don't I'll go up a few whole, sizes. That's you fine. Don't be, <laughs> you don't want the whole daft punk angle of faster, stronger, better kind of thing. Uh, just, you know, leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> and pitching ideas to you, we are also joined by Eli Shepard. Now, Eli, you are working in the Robotics Institute here at Edinburgh. What do you do in the day job? Mostly bash my head against the keyboard and ask why doesn't it work. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I'm, I'm researching uh, deep learning and deep recurrent neural networks. I won't explain that any further. You can Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you're going to be making some suggestions, Eli, but we're also joined by philosopher. In this case, we've got Professor Michael Wheeler, who is a professor of philosophy at University of Stirling. So before we get into the realms of impossibility, the kind of things we'd like to see, we're going to start with some news stories to take a look at the science that's actually happening right now. Uh, Michael, why don't you tell us about the news story that's really caught your eye? Okay, yeah, one that struck me was a study that was done on six to 11-year-olds, um, and it tracked their video game playing. I and mean, it turned out that more video game usage 
correlated positively with children who performed better on high intellectual functioning tasks, did better at school, and were more socially integrated with their peers. And I think this is great because I think it counters a kind of narrative that's mostly told by people over the age of 40 and by policymakers that technology and video games in general kind of makes you more stupid. And here we have a good counterexample to that. In fact, there's lots of data like this now coming out. Um, there's a really good evidence that playing first-person shooter video games makes you way better at perceptual tracking and perceptual memory. In fact, you can perform at levels above what previously people thought was biologically possible. Is there actually any basis to any of the bad stories? Or is it all no, good, good, good? No, that's a criminology question. There you go. Okay. Actually, as a criminologist, <laughs> what do you think, Gemma? Well, no, because a lot of the research finds that actually, yeah, that's just narrative and bluster, and it's, it's an interesting kind of political approach to say, look at this massacre, this is Marilyn Manson's fault, really, or this is video, the problem of video games. And we saw that with the Bulger mergers, actually. It's a famous example where they tried to ban a certain kind of, it was called Child's Play, mm. Child's Play 3, tried to ban that after the Bulger murders, but actually it, there's no real connection between um, video gameplay and, and violence. No, indeed, there's been some uh, fMRI scanning, so neural scanning, picture, brain pictures, uh, and what they show is that uh, when you play these video games, these first-person shooter videos, the violent games, there's this part of your brain that's active that suppresses your emotional responses. Okay? And the worry was that when you went away from the video game, that bit of your brain would still be active, so you'd be desensitised to violence. And in fact, there's no evidence that's the case. That bit of the brain kicks straight back in, and you're just as sensitive to violence as you ever were. What about you, Eli? What new stories caught your um, eye? So I wanted to talk about, a bit about uh, nanorobots, um, specifically nanorobots being used in uh, the human body in the, in the blood system. So um, at the moment, I, I kind of want to talk about the the reality as well as the possible science fiction of it. So that the reality at the moment is when I talk about a nanorobot, maybe you're picturing little tiny, like, robot men mm. that, you know, beep boop yeah. and they've got, <laughs> they've got brains and they're, they're autonomous. And that's not really what, what we're talking about. We're talking about little tiny bits of metal that react to their environment. So, you know, they'll open and close depending on where the temperature change. And that's the sort of thing you can be used for you know, biopsies of, of cancerous uh, of, of cancerous tumors, or for delivering uh, antibiotics to an inflamed area, and they're typically steered outside the body using magnetic fields. But what we're seeing more and more is uh, basically transistors getting smaller and smaller. So transistors are what we use for making computers. So if we have smaller transistors, we can have smaller computers. Um, so the current smallest transistor is about uh, four, na four nanometers across, and that's made from about seven atoms. So that's oh. the level we're talking at the moment, is we can manipulate atoms to make these semiconductor devices. The next step will be, can we make these using subatomic particles? At which point, you know, if we've got subatomic um, transistors, we could have actual robots that are, you know, a nanometer across, and you could have thousands of them in your body, and then they could do all sorts of tasks. So, yeah, you could have them looking for cancers and treating them, delivering medicine, but you could also have them, you know, uh, directly healing you. If you cut, cut yourself, you know, they form together to form a lattice and, and form a clot. They could, you know, monitor your brain activity. They could, you know, if you're about to have an epileptic fit, they could detect that in your brain. Okay. And Can you hear them? Send a pulse. 
Possibly. <laughs> if, if we are talking, because this, this, is, this is a new story, so at what stage are we, because that all sounds amazing, where are we now? So currently, like I said, they're not autonomous. So typically it's done with either chemicals or heat. Um, and they're typically just grippers, so it's something that can open and close. So you can either have them dropping off a payload, which is hugely useful. That can be delivering chemotherapy directly on point to yes. a tumor. So instead of having to pump gallons and gallons of nasty chemicals into your body that make your hair fall out and make you lose all your muscle mass and make you feel really sick, you have a tiny amount of it directly to the cancer, and the only area that's uh, affected is the cancer. So targeting is the big thing yeah. for this. Um, and then also you could have it for biopsy, so removing a, a tiny piece of the tumor to Brilliant. see what it is, as opposed to having to you know, go in with a knife and then having to heal this horrible um, cut. But one area that's kind of not so science fiction-y is, as I was saying about this, this idea of blood clotting. So that can actually be done if you have, um, if your, your uh, robot, in inverted commas, uh, reacts to air, and you could have it so it's, it's closed when it's in the bloodstream, and then when it senses air, it opens up mm. and form. If you've got lots of them, obviously, that's going to form a blood clot, so you could stop bleeding that way. Robo-clot. I love it. <laughs> okay, so those are the things that are actually happening. Now, let's actually get to the stage of pitching. So we're going to be gathering ideas, not just from our panel, not just from our audience, but also from Mother Nature. And Gemma, you're going to get to choose which one, because only Thanks. one of these ideas can go forward each okay. night. How about we start with you, Michael? What, what is your pitch for the next human? Okay, so I, I was thinking of two ideas kind of put together. So one was a kind of reflection on robot pets. Okay, robot pets, not very exciting in the main. I don't know if any if you've got kids who've got them, once you've taught the thing to do a little jump, a few weeks later, kid doesn't play with it anymore. And of course, you know, we can imagine giving little robot pets more artificial intelligence, making them smarter. But still, you know, you think the, the, the flesh and blood pets are always going to be better. On the other hand, you've got your flesh and blood pets, and they're lovely, and they're cuddly, and they're cute. But bottom line, you can't talk to them. You know, don't believe those dog owners so that dogs can understand every word that you say, because they really can't. So I thought, let's imagine we put this together. And the, and the story, there was a little news story that made me start thinking about this this week, which was some work done in Singapore where they, they took a, a, a real live beetle and they hooked it up with some computational kit actually attached to the beetle and then actually controlled the beetle's movements from a distance. They could kind of drive the beetle around. And at certain points, they would switch off the control and the beetle would do a little bit of obstacle avoidance on its own. And the idea is we've got a kind of cyborg beetle. Now, that's kind of being controlled from outside. But imagine a kind of cyborg pet of the future that's really cute and cuddly, but it's kind of artificial intelligence, so you can actually talk to it, right? And I'll tell you what we thought this would be like. And, and this is, imagine it's the, the film Golden Compass or the books, the Northern Lights books, where you have these demons, right, which people live their lives with, these kind of thing, little like, creatures that they live with that are their kind of familiars. And the idea is I think that's, that's the future, cyborg familiars. So they would talk to you? Yeah. The pets? Yeah, we have a little artificial For their own thoughts, their real own, like... Yeah, so they're part, yeah. they're part cuddly with flesh and blood, but okay. they've kind of got some tech attached to them, uh -huh. which has its own artificial intelligence, so they're like smart pets. Ah. Can, I, can I ask you a question here, Michael? I forget the philosopher who said it, but wasn't there somebody who said that if you could, if you could talk to a lion, we still can understand it? 
That was Wittgenstein, yeah. Wittgenstein, okay. Yes. So can you elaborate more on that idea then? Why do you think we will be able to talk to our pets, perhaps? Well, because the, the, the talking part, of course, will be done by the artificial intelligence, right? So we're, we're thinking, we're not thinking of here, we're enhancing the creature's kind of natural intelligence, not in the sense of taking its own kind of sensory systems and cognitive systems and making them better. We're kind of implanting an artificial intelligence cognitive system that's controlling the little bionic, a uh, little uh, uh, organic animal. And so we've got here, a, it's a proper cyborg, right? We've got a, a, a part biological creature, part artificial intelligence creature, and that's just a kind of new kind of creature in our world. And I can see us forming really deep bonds with that. So are you suggesting that the AI is separate from the, the animal's brain? It's completely integrated into the Completely animal's brain. integrated. Yeah. What if they are really boring, though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got, you've got like, your cat just Let's go again. So you can imagine <laughs> that the really boring bio, you know, organic technological hybrid demons will end up with the really boring people. Oh. Can I ask, like, oh. this might be a strange way of taking this, but, but one of the reasons why enhancing humans and stuff, like, like integrating ourselves into cyborgs may even possibly in, be inevitable with technology, but we, we have a choice there. Um, if we're going to be giving animals a consciousness, mm. can, how do we deal with consent at the start? Well, what if you, like, <laughs> to you've be got honest, your beautiful pug dog, you know, if it's what's flat it face, and you've just made it conscious, and it says, kill me now, look at me for crying out loud. <laughs> what if that's what happens? You so I think, I think what's interesting, right, you could have objections to this on, on moral grounds, right? And I think they should be, exactly as you kind of pointed out, the same objections you have to over-domesticated animals, right? So if you think that's a bad thing, that's because humans have intervened in the evolutionary trajectories of, of certain animal species and have turned them into things that, to be honest, lots of people really love, right? Mm. Pug's super popular at the moment. I don't think the objections are actually any different, right? So if you object to that kind of human involvement in the evolutionary trajectory of animals, then I guess you'd, you'd be worried about creating these kind of AI but, um, biological um, hybrids. But I don't really see it as morally any different. But maybe, maybe it's actually even the direct opposite, because when, one of the things domestication, you get a thing called the domestication suite. So when you look at, uh, at sheep, you look at pigs, you look at dogs, by and large, we've bred them stupid. And that's been mm. deliberate. That's why they're subordinate to us in some ways. That's why they see us as the alphas in many cases. So what you're suggesting is, is quite Pretty the opposite. Smart. We're, we're yeah. giving intelligence to these things. We could have them on University Challenge, like <laughs> yeah. Oxford, Maudlin, and it's I just would four watch dogs. That, <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. So you think about, think about the... It's a nice example of the sort of demons in the, in the, in the Pullman books. Because you know, the demons are, and the human beings, they're, they're both... They're friends as well as the relationship of kind of owner and pet, if you like. And yes. they're deeply integrated with one another's psychology. And I see that as a real you know, big benefit. It's the next step up from the kind of relationship we already have with animals. So I take your point there. Maybe the thought, the right thing here is that to, to, to move against the moral objectives is to think we're kind of in some way, you know, booting the animal. It's like level up animal. If what if you know. fall in love, though? Sorry? What if you fall in love? Yeah. That's true, because if you're having a communicable intelligence, that's a question, actually, we can, yeah, we I can, can genuinely ask. I could see a need for legislation. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know, Eli, as we take this forward, because what we're effectively talking about is not falling in love with your pug, because it's adorable already. But what we're talking about here is, is falling in love with an AI, an artificial intelligence. Do you think is that um, possible? If it's a sophisticated enough AI, mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's a true AI and it's intelligent, mm. then, yeah, why not? The thing with AI is that you've already, you've, you've kind of, you've given it human characteristics. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Which my understanding of AI is mm. that it would probably be quite alien to mm. how we behave, so possibly not. Um, but if it's yeah, if it's this sort of human-esque intelligence where it can think and feel and shares values, then why not? It, it, yeah. Like, most of being in love is just sort of familiarity and You're so sharing. romantic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jill, what do you think about this? Absolutely amazing. It's the, it's the best thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Like, I truly want this to happen. I want to have 20 cat friends. I want there to be, like, a dog who reads the news. Like, <laughs> this is everything I've dreamed of and more. Especially maybe that pug you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> a dog on the bench, a dog judge. I mean, I could go on and on. Bring <laughs> like, yeah, in mind this is a podcast. You don't know that these people aren't just... We're not just having corgis on their couch talking these things. Not. Pimp My Pet is on the shortlist. I love it. All right, then let's get to your suggestion, Eli. What do you want to pitch to us? Uh, so I, I want to pitch uh, basically just extra robotic limbs. So you could be, you know, extra pair of arms to, you know, to carry the shopping. Ooh. They could be super You're strong. You're speaking my language. Let's you know, go. Uh, you could use it, you know, you could, you could play the piano really well. Cool. With four arms. At a party um, or, yeah, like, you know, any situation. Anytime. Cool. Uh, or, you know, you could have an extra pair of robotic legs. Don't feel like walking up those stairs. Yes. Just sit back. Legs take over. This is good. How do we get this to, how do we get this to incorporate with us? Because one of the things that you generally find is, that, so the, the biggest brain on Earth, I think, belongs to the sperm whale, if I'm right. And a lot of that stuff is very often down mm. to the size. So the bigger your body is, the bigger your brain has to be to, to match. So if we, get extra, if we get extra limbs, extra robot limbs, and they're connected to us and things, how do we deal with the processing? Okay, so we could have directly a brain-computer interface. So we could be, you know, we could have, do that non-invasively. We could be wearing like a, an EEG uh, headset. So like stick electrodes on the scalp, monitor the brain activity. Get a nice hat. Yeah, <laughs> nice tinfoil hat, hat basically. Um, problem with that is obviously that's computationally, oh, that's, that's taxing on your brain. So I think what would be better than that would be if you had sort of, an AI system that's 
controlling it separately and just sort of knows, so you could be like, you could have like a connection to it that you say, okay, I wanna go here, and then it controls, it does generation of these cyclic walking patterns. Mm -hmm. It goes, mm -hmm. okay, I'm carrying the shopping. Uh, and you know, you could apply machine learning to your day-to-day -day life and it could, you know, you could have these limbs learn to operate how you want them to operate as opposed to having to consciously control them. Is this kind of stuff actually being worked on then? Is there, are there people um, who are making limb-like things already? So in terms of extra limbs, not so much, but okay, we see a lot of stuff with exoskeletons, particularly in the military, but also in rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also see replacement limbs for amputees. Now typically these at the moment are controlled by something called uh, myoelectrics. So that's looking at the electrical currents generated in your muscles when you activate them. So if you've lost your hand, you've obviously, you've still got all the muscles in your forearm to control it. So you could have a robotic hand controlled by your forearm, looking at some sensors there. The EEG headset style brain computer interface is in its infancy. It's currently tends to be used in situations where you've got someone who's like locked in. So, so someone with, who's a quadriplegic, someone who, you know, has no motor function, mm. um, and it's, it's currently not very good, but it will be good okay. eventually as we get better at signal processing. Um, and certainly we can see actually uh, a big enhancement in what you can do if you, instead of just having sensors on the scalp, if you implant uh, sensors into the brain, then you can, you, know, you can have quite a lot of fine control of systems and that's more because not so much because the systems are clever but because your brain is very clever You're, you have something called neuroplasticity where your brain will basically try and ad adapt to new stimuli so what you're saying there is basically if you get another limb we can do it we'll, yeah. we we are lucky enough to be able to fix yeah. it so uh for example there's there's been experiments where they've taken rats and they've detached the nerve in the eye from the brain uh -huh. from the visual cortex, and they've detached the ear from the auditory cortex, and they've swapped them. And then within a few weeks, the rats have learned to see with their auditory cortex and to hear with their visual cortex. Oh. So, what do you mean, though? <laughs> like, so, do you hear with your, hear with so, your eye? No, so you're not hearing with your eye. <laughs> your eye is still seeing, but instead of... So your, 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 your visual cortex is at the back of your head, and mm -hmm. your auditory cortex is kind of on the side. Okay. Um, so where the visual data is processed at the back of your brain, instead of uh, processing it there, it gets processed in your auditory cortex. Okay. And your ear, the, what you're hearing gets processed in your visual cortex. And the brain can handle that fine. So you would still hear the same once you'd relearned how to hear. Right. So you could see this being, you know, if you could attach a limb to an unused part of the brain or yeah. even just part of the brain that's not used as much, your brain could learn. I could just get rid of it. maths and see better. Yeah. <laughs> Something like, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's great. Just the, the, the best extra limb stuff I've seen, actually, is there's an Australian performance artist called Stellark, and I, I recommend looking him up. And he actually, for a while, had an extra arm fitted, which he controlled via muscles, I think, in his stomach. So he learned to control this arm, this robot arm, with the muscles in his stomach. There's a great, I don't know if it's a picture or video of him online, writing the word evolution with his, art, with his extra mm. hand, which is super. Show off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is a show off, actually. Yeah. He's a great guy. Is this on the short list, Gemma? What do you reckon? Uh, 
I mean, it does. It's going to help me be very lazy, I believe, and have lots of other weird kind of limbs. That's what you asked for. Well, actually, what if you've got an option, if you can only have one extra limb, what would you go for? Third breast. <laughs> <laughs> it has taken me what? back to childhood watching yeah. Total Recall. <laughs> That's exactly why. I'll what? be like the king of the dating game. Like, come on, like, get it, get into what? it. <laughs> Just be amazing, wouldn't it? It'd be like everyone would be super into it. They'd like come from miles around to see me. <laughs> okay, it, it would be a novelty. I will give you that much. Yeah. I'd be such a like an amazing woman as well. I'd be like an ambassador for women everywhere. I'd be like so. Great. I think would you would you not be though like even more the victim of misogyny? In well, that situation. maybe, An extra yeah. that's misogyny. society's fault. I mean, I have my, you know, that's nothing to do with me and my third breast. <laughs> and why not? I'm very pleased yeah. with that. So that's two suggestions. Again, uh, they've made them pass Gemma's filter. Now we've got some ideas here from our audience. So what caught your guys' eyes? Why don't we start with you, Gemma? Anything? Yeah, I had one here at the top, which is unnamed, which it just says, allow men to actually understand what women are thinking. Oh. <laughs> Someone in the audience is as just... Well, as well as being a very bad Mel Gibson movie. Ah. That is a... Yes, it's a great movie. I don't, I don't think anybody can ever understand anybody, never mind any of the sexist business. No, yeah. it's a, nobody can understand anyone, surely. You know, just listen to the words is what I would say. Like, just yeah. take, take them in. That's a good start. I, I had to grab this one because it speaks to me personally because I'm quite short, right? And this is a problem I face every week. So I'd like to ask Katie. To, if she, yeah, Katie? Uh, extendable arms to be able to reach the top shelf. Aww. Supermarket Or a third long way. arm, like his thing. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, it's, again, it links yeah. in with what we talked about just now. But, but I, yeah, great. I mean, I, I'm constantly embarrassed in supermarkets when I'm jumping up and can't reach things and, and I have to go and ask the very tall person to get them for me. Yeah. So that spoke to me. Oh, Michael. Reduce injuries because you're not jumping up onto shelves and with smaller living spaces you can store things higher mm -hmm. up. Okay, let's get into the mechanics of this. So if you're going to have longer limbs, because that's, that's a thing to wish for. I, I, longer, less heat loss. And <laughs> less heat loss because of longer limbs. How does that work? Yeah. Uh, true. Yeah, and we find that in human evolution, like some people who live in particular, like the peoples of the North Atlantic and the Arctic um, are generally smaller, with generally, oh. like they, they've, they've selected for, for, for avoiding loss of feet. Cool. Yeah, so could, there could be something to that. So look at the, on, the, on the bright side, Michael, yeah, living... Yeah. No, it's the other way around, you see. <laughs> what do you mean, it's the other way around? The, the colder it is, Alaskans are tall, she's saying, <laughs> not small. Are yeah. you sure or not? Look, look at animals. You have a blue whale who lives in the cold water. It's, it's huge. Yeah. You have like a, 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 a fennec who lives in the desert. It's very, very small. It has big ears yeah. to ventilate, but mm. it is much, much smaller. Or penguins, who, who, the ones that live on, on, uh, in the Antarctic, uh, they are big. The ones that live on the Galapagos Islands, they're much smaller. You're, you're entirely right, actually, because, okay, to be more accurate, though, it's, it's not, I believe that there's a kind of optimal which is still lessening your surface area. Yeah. So what we're really talking about here is actually having people, rather than being tall and thin, we're talking about perhaps squat and, and more rounded or something like that. Would that be, are you, would that be a happier way so, of putting it? I think I just phrased it badly. So I'm hearing this that I, I should didn't never move from London to Edinburgh, right? You want to maximise your volume whilst minimising your surface area, so really you want to be a sphere. 
That's what we're saying. <laughs> a sphere yeah. with yeah. telescopic arms. Mm, yeah. But that's okay. That's to, that would be to conserve heat, right? So yep. if we're going to if we're going to have a particularly harsh winter, we want to be able to sphere up. Okay, we're onto that. Speed up. But the original suggestion <laughs> here was really having Long arms. like go-go gadget arms. Yeah. So you could do that thing where you put your arm around someone <laughs> and do like <laughs> on the shoulder. Oh, you could do it from miles away. You could. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Are we actually going to make this happen though? Like, could we do this with like, suppose your artificial limbs kind of thing of taking things over, or will we do it with hyper flexibility? Could we lengthen our own? Like, right. should you basically just be doing yoga and Pilates in order to reach that high shelf? What are you looking for on the top shelf, by the way? Or do you not want to ask that? Yeah, what's up there? <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> In case you couldn't hear that, the best answer of what's up there, I don't know. <laughs> so is that one going on? Um, I mean, I feel like I would have a hard time finding, like, you know, nice-fitting jackets with, like, insanely long arms. But, yeah, I feel, I feel your plight, honestly. I'm short also, so get... Let's do it. Michael, that something. was a really sad introduction you gave me that, so I'm going to go with it. So that's suggestions from our audience here at the Science Festival, at the Edinburgh Science Festival in Summer Hall. We've had the ones from our panel, but what about from nature? So this is what we call splice of life. What genes, what abilities would you steal from these creatures? This, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is the scrotum frog. Gemma, mm. can you describe this to our people at home, please? It looks like... He's a very startled, like like you've just kicked him in the scrotum, maybe. Like he's just, he's not a, not a real looker, I've got to say, but you know, just like your standard sort of green frog with big eyes, yeah? Standard but saggy, would you say? Yeah, yeah sure. This, this is a real thing, I should point out, and it's actually genuinely called the scrotum frog. Everyone, it lives up in Lake Titicaca. And because, it, don't laugh at Titicaca. <laughs> no, go for it. <laughs> we, we, we know about this thing because it's, uh, it lives, because it lives so high up in the Andes, there's very little oxygen in the air and in the water there. So it has lots and lots of rolls of skin because it breathes through its skin. Mm. Would you like to steal that kind of ability? Like, why, do we, why have we got these lungs things? Why not do no, more? That'd be awful. Why? I, you'd, you'd, like, you'd, you'd, you'd taste your own farts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking that idea firmly on the head. But so in that case, Gemma, you've only got a couple of suggestions here that you really, really liked. Let's see, we had Michael's suggestion of pimping your pet, integrating AI with both you and it so you can communicate and control each other as necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, we had Eli suggesting we have extra limbs, and that was it. I think we all know what it's going to be. I'm sorry, Eli, but it's, the, it's Michael's uh, doggy newsreader. <laughs> a slam dunk. <laughs> there we go. So, ladies and gentlemen, you heard that here first. If uh, we are going to advance mankind, we're giving up on ourselves and we're going straight to man's best friend, our dog, which is no longer going to be man's best friend. It's going to be everybody's best friend. That's a better way of And most trusted it. source. And most trusted source. <laughs> it's going to be really, really good. So before we go, we have to give a huge round of applause and thank you to all of our panel. We've had Gemma Flynn, we've had Eli Shepherd, and we've had Michael Wheeler. And of course, our wonderful audience here at the Edinburgh Science Festival at Summer Hall. I've been Simon Watt. This has been Level Up Human. It's been lovely talking to you. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.